Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode of the Vegan Champion Podcast. How are you guys all doing? We've got an exciting episode coming at you today. My guest for today is Ryan from Happy Healthy Vegan. That name may ring a bell if you have seen Ryan and Angie. They are somewhat of a vegan power couple, I guess you could say. They've been on YouTube for years and years making really consistent and top-notch uh, content that is viewed by vegans and non-vegans alike, and they cover everything from recipes to politics to all, all kinds of interesting topics. And today, I finally had a chance to sit down with Ryan, and we talked about a lot of interesting stuff, man. We kind of went all over the place. We talked about a little bit of, you know, he had a had a bit of a run in uh, in politics in his local uh, his local area. Um, so he t- tells about that story. Um, we talk about you know Ryan's backstory, how he became vegan in the first place. We talk about the political situation, and you know talk about government subsidies to animal agriculture, and you know what that all means. Um, talk about the current situation with COVID nineteen and all of that, and you know on on a, on a sort of a bigger level we talk about just advocacy in general you know how to how to get the vegan message out there and um we've got some i think some valuable takeaways from this episode and i hope that you will enjoy without further ado here is ryan from happy healthy vegan on the vegan champion podcast all right well welcome to the podcast the vegan champion podcast welcomes ryan from happy healthy vegan you (laughs) will probably ring a bell to, to people who are, who are in the vegan scene or who have been in the vegan scene. Um, I've, uh, I, I've, no, I've been following your guys' videos since, you know, you and Angie, you guys, you guys have been making videos for, for years now. And I remember, you know, mm-hmm. back in the day when I was first becoming vegan, I think you guys were, were some of the first YouTubers that I watched. So, so um, dude, great to finally be making some content together and welcome to the show, man. How's everything going with you? Good, good things. Yeah, as good as things can be given the state of the world right now. But yeah, not so bad. I can't complain. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, I think it's all yeah perspective, and I, you just got to try. Everyone, I think everyone's got things to be grateful for, and I think we can all you know go into that. And uh, yeah, and I, I'm just you know I look at it as I'm I'm focusing more on you know doing what I love, which is definitely doing these kind of podcasts and connecting with you know like-minded vegan creators and trying to create you know, some community, especially right now, if we can do this podcast and, you know, yeah. we can talk about some interesting things that maybe you haven't talked about before. Or I haven't talked about before. And we who can, knows? Who, who we'll knows see. what's going to come up? You know, who knows? I have but, no idea what you're going to ask. So let's see. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we can come up with some, some good content and uh, give, give people some value. But, uh, but I'd love to start with uh, your backstory. If you could give people a bit of context, just on kind of, you know, where you come from, who you are, how you, how you went vegan, all that, if you can give people a bit of a, a picture of yourself. Um, it's a pretty broad question. If you want to like narrow it down a little bit, I'll be more than happy to answer, but I'm kind of like speechless when asked something like that. Any, anything in particular <laughs> well, where you want me to start? Or? If, you, if, if, you were to, if you were to start with, I guess, how you went vegan, at what point in your life did you go vegan? Okay, I can definitely answer that. Um, I went um, fully 100% vegan in 2010, but there's a backstory to that because in the early 1990s, when I was younger and still living at home, like, you know, college age, um, I tried going vegetarian. I thought uh, at the time it was a really good idea. It seemed like, hmm, if you could like eat food that doesn't involve killing animals, it seems like a win. <laughs> I don't know why other people aren't doing this in mass. So I, I was doing it for a while. I think I was kind of introduced to it in a, in a roundabout way through like going to um, events around LA and concerts and the Hare Krishnas would be out there given their really delicious food. In fact, I would go to their restaurants until they kind of, there's not too many of them left around here. There is one in LA. Anyway, um, so uh, that didn't last too long because I, I guess I was living at home. I wasn't really knowledgeable in how to make food. It's kind of depend on my mom kind of go along with me. So it lasted a little while, but I dug it. It was cool. And then um, when Angie and I started going out uh, in um, 1998, um, she was already had been a vegetarian for those parts since the 1980s. So 
don't know if you've seen the movie Pulp Fiction, the line that Samuel Jackson says, my girlfriend's a vegetarian, which pretty much makes me a vegetarian. <laughs> so once I started living with Angie, you know, she's controlling the cooking. She's not cooking meat separately for me or anything like that. So I was eating pretty vegetarian since then. Yeah, I met Angie and we started living together in 1999. And um, yeah, um, and, and a few times after that, after we started going out and living together, I was interested in veganism tried it around a few times um, and it was cool. I dug it and finally in 2010, I said, why am I even goofing around here? I want to get back to that original concept. I had a spiritual idea that resonated with me so powerfully in the early nineties. Like you don't need to eat animals in order to live. I always tell people like, if you have a choice of, of choosing a lifestyle that involves killing animals and one that doesn't, it just seems like a no brainer. Assuming the one that doesn't is equally, if not more um, healthy, nutritious and all that, you're not lacking anything. It just seems like a no brainer. The longer I stayed, I saw, oh, it's actually better for the environment. Like animal agriculture is the number one source of greenhouse gas emissions, um, species extinction, habitat loss, um, rainforest destruction. It just, it's just so bad for our planet. And I'm all about passing on a planet to the next generation who deserve it. We got to grow up for most of our lives thus far on a habitable planet. I believe it's just the, it's just basic decency to pass that on to the next generation. And I see so little being done on that front. It's frustrating. So um, that's one of the reasons why I got into um, vegan advocacy or activism, whatever you want to call it, to spread the message like, hey, you know, if you want to really do your children good, um, you should kind of listen to what some of us are saying. I love it, man. You know, I, I hear so much of what, what I went through in, in your story. I think a lot, a lot of people have, you know, very relatable stories when we, when we talk about what, you know, this sort of, I don't know, is it a rabbit hole or whatever we call this, this awakening we experience when we start learning and just keep learning more and more. And it just makes more and more sense. I mean, I think to a lot of us, I think some people fight it more than others, but, um, but there's a lot to be gained, I think, from just eating plants. And, oh, cool. Uh, I'm glad you bought my story because the true reason is I wanted to have really <laughs> flattering butt pictures on Instagram <laughs> with spiritual messages beneath the butt photos of mine. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> I think hey. those are the people that end up not being vegan because they don't have a story like that. Their stories, they wanted to look good in a bikini and, and get a big following on social media. And that's why a lot of these people made videos in the past years why they're no longer vegan. Uh, yeah, there's for sure a lot of people who just, you know, they, they throw that vegan label on there just because it's the trending whatever. And it's, you know, uh, people, people can get a bit of clout from it or, or, or what have you. So that's, uh, yeah, but I think that, you know, what's really interesting about about you is, I mean, you know, in particular recently, you've, you've gotten into politics and you're going, I mean, as you were starting to say there, you started getting into advocacy and, I, you know, same thing with me, you know, you, it's like you start with, oh, this makes sense. And then more and more, I really want to do something about this. And I, I guess you're sort of in a similar place where you're probably thinking a lot like I am, what can we do? Like, what is the best use of our time to sort of move this <laughs> yeah. along? So what are your thoughts? What, what can we do? What are you doing? What do you think is the best thing for people to do? I think uh, everyone has their, um, their um, comfort zone and their unique skills. A lot of people say, hey, um, uh, you ever thought about being a vegan activist? I go, what the hell do you think I've been doing all these years? Just because, you know, my way is different than other people's way. Like, I think a lot of some, I'm not bagging on anyone, okay? But I'm going, there is a certain segment that believes the only way to be a vegan activist is pick the one that they're doing. Like I stand in front of slaughterhouses, which is cool. I'm, I'm all for that or um, um, whatever, but I'm going, there's many ways to do it. Like say Dr. Garth Davis, you know, is a medical doctor, has a huge social media following. He's been in all these vegan documentaries and his best way of utilizing his unique personal strengths is probably not to go to, to slaughterhouses. You know I mean? His way is, is writing books and being on television and, um, you know, being an educated voice on the healthful benefits of a plant-based diet while also acknowledging the environmental and moral implications of veganism. I want him being a doctor and doing what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing and likewise, I'm, I'm at playing to my particular strengths and, and um, doing, you know, being in, on social media. 
So I, I just kind of find it self-serving when some people think there's only one way to be a vegan activist. Some people's way of being a vegan activist is kind of way um, a lot of people get started is showing food on their social media to all their friends and family and following that don't know what vegans eat. They think we eat salad and bird seed all day. They go, wow, that vegan lasagna looks amazing. I want some of that. And that's one way to turn people on to show vegan food isn't gross because that's a common misconception. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree with what, what you're saying there is like people need to stop why the, the conversation shouldn't be about what's the most and you know, I guess maybe the way I phrase the question there, it's not really about what's the most effective. It's about like, what can you do that you'll be able to do and you'll be able, you know, you can be effective at right. So for you, though, you've obviously chosen to say, hey, I'm gonna, you know, see if I can have a have, have a have a seat at this political kind of game. So could you talk a little bit about, about, about that? What's, what sort of inspired you to move in that direction? Um, <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure how much I'd say about this, but it all started very innocently um, a couple um, Christmases ago. I guess that would be 2018. We went to a party that so, uh, some vegan friends of ours were throwing veganics, give a shout out to them. And, um, um, we started talking to some of the guests there, and one of them, um, a friend, Maggie, uh, now a friend, it uh, turns out at the time she was a part, uh, a very important person in the Humane Party. You may have heard of like Clifton Roberts running as a vegan. Um, and at the time, um, she was in charge of trying to find people to um, run for politics with the Humane Party. And when she found out what we were doing, what I'm doing, actually she approached Angie first and said, hey, you'd be good at this. She said, oh, no, <laughs> you're my husband. He's the one that really would like go for this kind of thing. So anyway, they, yeah, they got, I started talking to her and I go, yeah, maybe I will run for a political office. And after a while, I had to figure out what, I, what to run for. At first, it's like, you know, I, I think they're trying to get more publicity than anything for the cause. And I don't blame them. Like, you know, running for president, like Clifton Roberts and stuff like that, you know, and there's like zero chance of making a dent into that race, let alone winning, you know? So um, I thought long and hard and I, I saw my, uh, where I live at here in Long Beach, there's a, not a, a vacant city council seat, but a very vulnerable one, a very unpopular current incumbent who later on dropped out of the, uh, didn't, um, didn't run for re-election. She announced that back in, in October, but we all knew she was vulnerable. So a lot of people ran, I ran. And um, yeah, what, what else do you want to know about? That's how I got into it. I was recruited by the Humane Party. Afterwards, I kind of left them because my friend Maggie left. And after that, um, I had no communication with them. I was trying to like, hey, you guys got me. Let's talk. Let's do strategy. Let's figure crap out. And they're just busy. I'm not complaining, you know, figuring out their own internal party issues right. and weren't really supporting me or any other candidates that I could tell. I said, I'm just going to run. I don't, it's a, it's a non party um, office, city council, at least here in Long Beach. So I didn't really need to be affiliated to any party. It doesn't, when you're on the ballot, it doesn't say Republican, Democrat, Humane Party or anything right. like that. So I said, I'm just going to do what everyone else is doing, not run with a party. Oh, there you go. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> What I because here's why I started taking it seriously. I, not to interrupt you, but first I'm going, okay, it's kind of a publicity thing, bringing attention to animal rights, uh -huh. and which I was doing the whole way through to the very sure. end. But there's a certain point where I said, I'm taking this seriously. I'm not just running as a gimmick or anything. I, I want to try to freaking win this thing yeah. if I can. Right. Yeah, <laughs> if you're going to do it, why not? Like, why that, not? And that's why I chose that race. It's so the one I had a chance of winning. It turns out I was completely naive even for a city council race i was like outfunded by like literally like 50 to 1 100 to 1 it's just no chance you know money really does win races that's i mean you know i wonder about what what the i don't know like when, when you when you sort of weigh up there is this discussion i mean despite what we said about everybody doing different things and you know i think different kinds of activism are needed there still is this discussion of like you know is it politics and is it policy or is it individuals and you know the supply and demand and i what are your thoughts on on those two things at play because i mean you see different organizations out there some of them are doing things like you know going out to the slaughterhouses and you know sort of trying to get more of uh you know or, or going out and doing outreach and trying to hit the consumer and then you see other people who are targeting more you know politics and i'm wondering if you know how you think about those like do you think about those as sort of i don't know you need to choose one or the other or how do you think about the different kind of approaches? Well, it goes back to what I said per the prior question was that 
play to your strengths, do what you feel like where you can be the Michael Jordan of vegan activism, you know? Mm -hmm. So do what you're going to be good at. Don't go into a, a role that you're uncomfortable or unskilled or don't want to learn those skills. Um, but the answer is, um, instead of um, thinking it like, um, look at it collectively, you know, we're much better if every person who's vegan and who wants to be an advocate or an activist, it goes out and does what they're good at. We're much stronger collectively. Like I said, we have the doctors doing their thing. We have social media people doing their thing, the hardcore street activists doing their thing and a whole bunch of other types of activists. And I didn't even mention in between all of that, we're strong collectively. I love that. I love that. And that's, that's what I love to see. I love to see that kind of attitude and the words that just came out of your mouth. I I'm growing kind of tired of some of the infighting within the vegan oh, movement. It's pointless. Is, yeah. It's yeah. pointless. Like what's the best kind of advocacy? All of them. Just do it, do something. And if you mm -hmm. think yours is the right one, you got to like do some like serious soul searching. Why did you happen to pick the right one and everyone else is wrong? Get off your high horse. Stop being so conceited and let everyone do their thing. I always tell people the animals really don't care, you know, that why you're a vegan advocate, what kind of advocacy you're, you're doing. They don't care if you're just posting photos on social media of your food or if you're in front of a slaughterhouse or, or whatever. They don't care. They just don't want to die so they're not going to say oh that advocate whatever activist is better activist. than that one uh -huh. that does not exist if you're truly in it for the animals let's all get out there and, and spread the message in the best way we can mm -hmm. this infighting is stupid it's conceited it's kind of losing point of the purpose mm -hmm. yeah i i completely agree i completely agree i wish we could just uh <laughs> like hey if, if we're going to have discussions, right? Like if you, if you and I want to get together and we say, Hey, we're both YouTube creators or we're both, you know, podcasters where we want to, you know, bounce ideas off each other and talk about what's, what do we think's working and have constructive discussions? Of course, obviously. Mm -hmm. but, but when it comes to like us saying like, okay, let's make a, like a, I don't know, a, a YouTube health niche, uh, you know, group and like, let's go and bash everybody else who's doing anything <laughs> different than what we're doing. Like, that actually happens. Like there's actually people who take that approach and I, and I, uh, I wish we could, we could get rid I mean, of that. Yeah. Health is important. That's not the original reason why I got into veganism, but it's extremely important. And here, here's why. First of all, it's, it's important to have good health. I think that's a given, but secondly, Hopefully. it's about attracting people. That's the whole point of advocacy or activism is mm -hmm. to wake people up and not everyone is going to wake up from the same message. Some people, when they see a movie like earthlings are instant vegan, others will just be offended and never look at it again. However, if you approach right. them with a different message, like maybe health, maybe they have some health conditions or worry about some that might be genetic or you know, common to their other family members, mm -hmm. that might be what pulls them in. Or they just might be athletes. You show them a movie like Game Changers and all of a sudden, huh, they didn't care about what the health or Cal Sparrows, but Game Changers, now now I'm going vegan. We, it's Like I said, the animals don't care why people stopped eating the meat. Just They want they just want to be left alone and not raised to be tortured and killed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They don't, but, the, but some people would argue that if you're just going vegan for the health of the environment, then you're kind of more likely to go back to not being vegan, you know, because like, you know, there are certain advocates who will say that if they're not vegan for the animals, right, it's a lot easier to sort of flip flop and, and go back. Well, here's the point, uh, the counter argument to that. First, they're speaking hypothetically. They're just making stuff up. There's no data that really supports that, even though there is data saying that the more reasons you have for being vegan, the more likely you are to remain vegan. So if you have just one reason, that's not as good as having, I call it at least three reasons, the environment, sure. health, and animals. So I'm saying is some people come, like say Rich Roll, he came for the health. You know, he had horrible health and is overweight and he's is, has as much ethical, moral, vegan fiber as anyone because he learned that later on. He understands the environmental art. You come for one and you learn the others. And I don't see why yes. the hardcores don't understand. This really does happen. It's yes. not, and I'm just not making this up. I, I agree. I agree. And I said what I said before because I was just sort of representing. Counterpoint. Yeah, I know yes. that. I know that point of view. Yeah, I just laugh at that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's. They don't give people enough credit. Yeah, I, I think I think that it, as you said exactly, you come for one reason and then you start. You learn. Say, yeah, you learn. You see, you see what's going on. You see mm, the longer happens. you stay, the more you learn. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so, kind of hard to absorb everything at one time. Like, wow, it's yeah. good for my health, saves the planet, and it's good for that. It's hard to absorb. You kind of just like have to take in one at a time and let that absorb and resonate with you. Then you start learning the other ones when you're ready. 
when you're ready exactly and that and that's the thing that <laughs> i always try to uh help people remember is is that you know people need to be ready to hear whatever it is and you know somebody might be ready to hear the health message or the environmental message but not ready to hear the ethical message because frankly the ethical message is the hardest to sort of hear people need to be ready to you know either watch some footage or to like just consider you know the sort of ethical dilemma of it all um so that's what mm -hmm. i've found um is is that yeah you got you, you, we, we can't put too much emphasis on what we're doing either it's it's also about where you know whether people are ready or not and you just got to do do whatever you feel is is best um so so you're doing so what's next so you, you said that that you that raise you know you're running campaigning for city hall and then that the election happens what yeah so, so take all right um well yeah i'm i'm no longer in the race uh, you either have to win with a majority of votes and, and if not the top two vote getters will uh, run in a runoff election this november and i'm not the top two vote getters had uh, well over a hundred thousand dollars in their campaigns more uh, compared to like my three thousand which i'm very grateful for receiving and i got almost completely from vegans and, and people that wanted to s see my I, ideas, um, you know, get spread. And That's hopefully cool. a person like me with my values um, representing in, in politics. But sure, I, I yeah. got my message out there. And um, yeah, I'm kind of, um, as far as Long Beach goes, even though I've lived here 20 years, that's where I'm running for city council, where mm -hmm. I was. Um, yeah. I'm kind of an unknown. I just kind of do my thing here at home. I'm not out and about, <laughs> and people don't know me. I mean, I mean some do, but uh, obviously, but I'm not like that popular in Long Beach. But now, yeah, I've made my point known. I've made some, uh, I made a couple videos. I use my YouTube skills. I, again, playing to my strengths. Yeah. My strengths are not like walking around and, and knocking on doors and talking to people, even though I'm okay at that. It's not my, my wheelhouse, but my wheelhouse is making YouTube videos. And towards um, about, about three weeks before the election, some um, big scandal broke out in our campaign. Um, one of the uh, um, leaders in our race, um, all this information is coming to how, and there was rumors about this for a while, but how she didn't really live in our city. She lived in some um, Republican stronghold like a dozen miles away, but was saying she's a Democrat and living in Long Beach and all this scandal going on. And uh, yeah, I, so I went through all the research and made a, uh, I tr do what I do on for our, our vegan videos, try to make a, a very um, fact-based, evidence-based, easy-to-understand video where I clearly go through the facts and, and show what's happening. And usually I'm doing that about like the meat industry or Joe Rogan lying about some crap about veganism. This time I was doing about this candidate and it really got around. Like, yeah, everyone in town, not everyone, but a lot of people are, 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 are quite ungrateful. I made these videos and even though I didn't win, I went uh, on, on election night, I went to... Um, uh, that, this is uh, the video is about one of the two, um, the top two um, vote getters. I went to the other top vote getter who is not involved in scandal. I went to his um, party that night, his victory party, and people were stoked to see me. They're all taking pictures with me and stuff like that. And oh, that's awesome. That's super <laughs> yeah. cool. So I made my mark on Long Beach politics, and I'm going to make another video really soon. Um, there, um, some of the, the right-wing people are trying to organize a go out and hang out in mass and spread coronavirus with everyone kind oh, of wow one of those things okay yeah so i'm gonna make a video um and get it out and put, try to promote it to the long beach crowd how this is stupid you're it's just completely irresponsible it's a slap in the face to people you probably don't want to slap in the face such as our our, our first responders our, our emts police fire department and i'm sure a lot of them have friends and relatives that work in the health industries and hospitals because because you know, just they're the ones that are going to bear the brunt of being the responders to increased cases. It's just asinine how this has become a political issue. I mean, it's a virus. It doesn't know boundaries. It doesn't know race, politics, or anything like that. And it's, it's just stupid how how the misinformation is so rampant with this, with the, uh, with the coronavirus. It's um, so yeah. I'm going to try to make a video to convince Long Beach people not to pay any attention to this nonsense and stay home and stay sheltered. Until yeah. we have better um, information that it's safe to finally go out and, and, and kind of return back to normal somewhat. 
but to mm-hmm. gather in mass unprotected and mass gatherings unprotected is just is just stupid. Yeah, you might not get it, but you could be one of the main the many silent. Most people are asymptomatic, and they don't know they're 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 carrying it, and that's the whole horrible problem. They don't know they have it, and you're most contagious before you even show the first symptom. That's why this thing is is taken off like it has. Why it's so dangerous, and you might not get sick, but someone else that you know could get sick. And I tell you, it's the first responders that have to pay the price to dealing with more cases and, 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 and work. So yeah, I'm going to make some more videos about uh, Long Beach politics relating to COVID for sure. That's awesome. That's very cool. I, I, uh, I'm interested to hear what you think about this, this whole, um, you know, when people talk about, uh, coronavirus coronavirus is not just COVID 19 yeah um you know they are zoo it's is it it's zoonotic right a zoonotic disease or is it no one knows with absolute certainty yet but the best evidence is yes it's most likely a zoonotic disease that indeed originated in china and this is this is not wild crazy wacky reasoning i mean pretty much all the um um, infectious diseases that we've seen in this century have been zoonotic diseases. Even if you go back to the eighties, AIDS is a zoonotic disease. <laughs> and, and so how do you think about the, cause a lot of vegans now are talking about you know, sort of drawing attention to this and saying, Hey, you know, these infectious diseases, they tend to be coming from what we're, doing to animals and maybe we should be looking at our relationship with animals and you know maybe you know canceling animal agriculture there's campaigns of people trying to get say hey let's you know let's use this as an opportunity to you know do things like uh try to get subsidies out of animal agriculture for example any thoughts on these sort of you know tactical political I mean, I'm all for that. Even before um, um, COVID-19 broke out, yeah. I mean, I've, I've I've been long against the subsidies that go to animal agriculture to drive down the price of meat, to increase demand for cheese and and animal products. It's it's unfair. I mean, how come there's not such a uh, such financial incentives for the potato industry or pick right. your favorite plant industry? Yeah. It's it's unfair and it. it, it lowers the costs down so that people are eating more of these unhealthy products, destroying more of our, our planet's ecosystems, making the uh, uh, life in general worse health-wise, um, environmentally-wise. So, yeah, there needs to be a fight for that. That said, with the inertia of our government, I really doubt you're going to see the end of agricultural subsidies anytime soon. I'm not sure what, what, it, what it would take for that, but, I mean – Screw government. I mean, people can um, you know, spread the message and try to just, that's what I, I've made a few videos showing the connection between what's happening now and animal agriculture. I never came out and said what needs to be done. Here's what you must do, people, or else you're bad people. Just let, giving people the information, the best information that I have, that these are zoonotic diseases. And furthermore, um, the United Nations says that this is kind of a wake-up call because um, they, they suggest that zoonotic diseases like this will become more frequent because the loss of natural habitat, animals are under more stress. Um, this is, right. this, we could be going through something like this instead of once every hundred years, every, maybe once every decade. Who knows? So we need to start rethinking. We as, as a human species, we, we need to restart thinking what we eat as food and what effects it has. Word. Hundred uh, percent. It's. I, I think that it's not unreasonable to to bring it up at at this time um, and sort of you know talk about the root cause of you know what's what's happening and uh, and people say oh this just happens in China because it's wet markets and the conditions there are filthy and I, I agree yeah I mean it's just absolutely disgusting how they have live animals dead animals animal guts humans all in close quarters sometimes like um when they're not at the wet markets, people are sleeping and, and with the animals, living with the animals in these conditions too. It's a horrible, just breeding ground for zoonotic diseases. That said, we have similarly disgusting, filthy conditions in animal slaughterhouses too, with all the blood, guts, people working yep. shoulder to shoulder. 
um, I was doing some research on the 1918 pandemic, and no one's exactly sure where it originated, but um, some of the major schools of thought say it originated here in the United States. So it's just, you know, zoonotic mm. diseases don't only come from other parts of the world. No, no. We could start one here is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think that it's important for people to realize that they also need to look in their own backyard, right? It's not so, just... yeah, people say it's just Chinese people eating bats and, and dogs or what have you. And, um, yeah, sure. Um, there is a set of Chinese culture where they do live in much closer proximity with animals and what we're used to here in the West. But like I said, that's just not a Chinese problem. We can, zoonotic disease, disease can break out anywhere where animal agriculture is happening. Just a higher probability in that kind of scenario, but still a pretty high, decent probability in, in slaughterhouses and, and other conditions of animals and humans and, and um, you know, not, not the, the most hygienic conditions being kept. So you guys are, I was watching uh, some of your videos just before the interview here and you guys are doing some ordering and you did a video about like you guys, it's getting harder and harder to get food where you guys are. <laughs> making a new one right now describing our, our situation from last week, which was yeah. kind of crazy. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure everyone's experiencing, you know, it's not like, you know, business as usual. <laughs> No, not quite. Not quite exactly the same. I just got back from Thailand just over a week ago. And, oh my God. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm at my parents' house now, but I'm like in the basement, like not going upstairs. Like we did a whole, yeah, oh, good. Haven't, haven't had any contact with them because I came through, uh, I came through uh, Bangkok. I came through Seoul and I came through JFK and it was like, Oh wow. Yeah. You want to yeah, not um, come in contact with your parents for a while. No. I mean, I'm not a medical, no. I want to emphasize too. I'm not a medical doctor. I, I've just been doing a lot of reading and research. People saying, don't believe the media. It's full of lies. I go, I'm not learning about this from the media. I'm following like virologists and epidemiologists on, on Twitter and reading the reports that they're sharing. I mean, so that's right. Why, but yeah, you're doing the right thing from everything I've read. Isolate yourself from your parents because age is a risk factor. And this is what pisses me off. Like, you know, we, anyway, most of us are, are, are probably, if we get it, won't know about it or have some mild symptoms, but it's those who have immune compromise um, situations, older people, people with some of the pre-existing risk factors like age, diabetes, hypertension. My mom has pretty much all of those. Mm. You know, um, it's just the arrogance. Like, oh, I'm not going to get it, but someone else might, and you're cool with killing someone. So, but yeah, I know you're not. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're doing the responsible thing quarantine yourself i know they um, say maybe 14 days maybe go longer who knows because yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. i know man i'm i'm like yeah i really i would feel so terrible if i pass something on to my parents and the way you, i the way i think about it too because i saw your video um sort of responding to you know some people who are saying you know maybe oh the fruitarians just eat fruits and you're 100 percent impervious and there's absolutely zero research backing that up yeah. i think i think what we can say is that the immune system you know it uh it it is something that we can do to to help uh you know there are things we can do to improve mm -hmm. our, our immune system right we can yeah. say that but i mean you know going back to my own situation the way i look at it right is like i like I mean, I'm 29 years old. So I'm fittest I've ever been in my life. I eat a, you know, whole food, you know, mostly whole food, plant-based diet. Like I'm, I'm a healthy dude. And if anybody were to be asymptomatic, mm -hmm. yeah, it's probably you, me because, you know, you are. <laughs> so, so, I mean, every time I f feel a little like, you know, sniffle or anything, I'm like, Oh, it's probably COVID, you know, and my, my immune system just, but I don't know. I'm kind of joking about that. I don't really know what I'm talking about, but that's sort of my thought on it. Right. It's like, I, I want to be careful. Right. I don't, cause if I, if I have it, but I, I'm not symptomatic, I would rather, you know, I keep myself isolated and not pass anything on because yeah rather you're on the, on the side of caution but uh, yeah, if you do have to like come across pass with your parents yeah put a mask on or something in case you cough it's supposed to help you know i didn't realize how far um droplets can be spread by singing yelling or coughing so that's what the masks really do they don't really protect you they protect others are you you're uh you're into cycling running aren't you you're, i know you're you do uh yeah running at least you know you're you're an athlete and yeah I, yeah totally <laughs> i was reading some of the uh uh there there are these um you know tests that they've done to see when you're running behind somebody or when you're you know cycling yeah in the i read stream. about that too yeah you can't just you can't just you know go go out and keep two meters because that's like right you know that's right in your face so you got to be uh got to be extra careful but uh, yeah, i've been advocating that runners 
Uh, I don't know if you use the app Nextdoor. I, I was using that during my political race. I, I still make yeah. posts on it. It's kind of like um, Facebook, but for local neighborhoods and areas, That's um, cool. sort of. Yeah. Um, cool. So I've been advocating on there that because people complain how runners don't uh, maintain social distance on the sidewalk. It's impossible, right? If you're uh, passing yeah. someone, the sidewalks are only so wide. You can't, it's not yeah. six feet. So I've been Unless, advocating. Here's what I do. Just run out on the street. Yeah. I mean, th that's the only way to maintain social some, distance. Some places close the streets. Some cities are closing some streets to like allow for exercise or at least that's what something i've heard great just run out in the street because that yeah. way you can and don't run with headphones on because so that way you can hear if traffic's coming you want to be safe yourself yeah. but yeah just get out on the street that way if there's people walking their dogs or walking their family you're away from them if someone's coming at you zig to the other side of the street for a while and then if you see someone else i keep zigging back and forth until i, I want to maintain more than six feet i like like 30 feet of space when I'm running. I want anyone near me. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be part of the problem. So yeah, maintain social distance. <laughs> yeah. I mean, while, while we're on the topic, I mean, you know, what, what have you found to be, I mean, you know, has obviously everybody's life sort of changing and, you know, yeah. how, how, what are some like good, you know, maybe some coping mechanisms that we could give to people like things that you've maybe found. I don't know. Is there any way that you're looking at things differently now that's, helping you or maybe not helping you? I mean, how, how are you dealing with the whole situation? Um, I would say, I mean, um, there's reasons to, to um, stay positive and be grateful. Be, uh, it depends where you live exactly, everyone's somewhere else. But like in California, we have reasons to be grateful that California had the foresight to be pretty much the first state in the nation to start uh, implementing these um, mitigating measures, like closing down our, our state. We saw what was happening in, uh, in Italy and knew that they were just like, you know, two weeks. And, well, you know, you could look at the, the, the rise in cases and deaths, and we were just following them by two weeks. So, okay, we need to start shutting down now so we don't, it doesn't get out of hand as there. New York was ahead, too. So here, I'm grateful that our hospitals here and the ICUs are not overwhelmed. The, the people and relatives I, and friends I know that work in, in health still have um, personal protective equipment. So um, grateful for the, and then some people say, oh, I knew it wasn't gonna be that bad. It's because we implemented these measures ahead of time. So I'm grateful California's not being hit too hard. And um, yeah, I'm glad my, my mom is staying safe. You know, I've, I've got beat it through her head, what's going on. She fully understands what's happening now, how she, I just said, mom, you're just gonna stay home for sure all of April. I've um, created an Instacart account for her. So I order all, all her food to get delivered for her. I'm making sure she doesn't leave the house. Just want her to stay home and, and be safe right now. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. I think, um, yeah, we're lucky here too. I mean, you know, it's not gotten too crazy. Uh, I mean, Ontario is, I think, um, I think it's the highest in Canada, but it's still relatively like under control, you know, compared to other places. So from what I understand, at least. Um, yeah, it yeah, looks like Canada has been pretty good about being responsible and taking this seriously. So yeah, be grateful for that. Uh, yeah. Where you live at, you're taking it seriously. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think... Um, yeah, I mean, you never know what's going to happen with this. I mean, it could, it could disappear. It could get worse. There could be multiple waves. But you know, for there probably will be multiple waves. Yeah, yeah. I think we'll learn a lot more as soon as the antibody testing comes online, which will show if you had it or not. Like someone like you, it was you know, it may have been asymptomatic. You don't know. So yeah, I, think I would love be... to know. I would love I... to know because then you you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, no, and we don't know how long antibodies will last, but there's, um, compared to other viruses similar to this, it, you know, like SARS, it lasts about like two years, what I've heard. So we'll offer some protection until we get to a point where if there's necessary to vaccinate people, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I think the antibody testing will reveal a lot and allow our allow us to go back to some kind of normal life. Not like it was yeah. before, but, you know, return, most of us are actually to get back to what we're doing, return to work or whatever, you know. A lot of people are going, um, getting a little crazy at home. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't, I mean, people are always talking about our, the new norm or going back to normal. Or let's go back to normal. Or, you know, I'm like, man, like. No, normal you know, sucked. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, let's improve. Let's just look forward. Let's improve. Like, there are improvements we're making by, I mean, that, you know, a lot of people are realizing how lucky we are to be in this sort of digital era where we're literally, like, so connected, like, like this, you know, with whoever mm -hmm. we want to be. Like, there's lots of positive coming, coming out of this. 
I think that, uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's go back to, let's go, not go back rather. Let's, let's evolve and, uh, yeah, keep moving forward. Um, yeah. Especially here in the United States. Um, it's, it's a COVID crisis has been exposing a lot of the flaws that have been underlying us here in the United States, such as I've said this for years, I, I never understood why here in this country, healthcare was tied to employment. They seem like two completely different concepts. And now with so many people losing their jobs at once, and they also lose their health care at a time when it's even right. more critical to have health care. I'm hoping more people realize these ideas shouldn't be conjoined together. It's dangerous. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I think and I don't think that, again. I don't think this is political. I know it's been politicized. It's like a virus has been politicized. It shows you mm. all these things get politicized. Yeah. People say you're all left. I go, no, I'm just common sense here. You know, I mean, right. why, why, why is it that you know, if you're you're sick and you lose your job, you can no longer go to the doctor? That makes absolutely no sense to me. Right. At least right. that happens here in this country. Yeah, I mean, one of the interesting conversations that's sort of being put on the table because of this is the universal basic income conversation. And like, Again, yeah, why, yeah, now more than ever, it shows how uh, if for some reason you can't work for a month or two, why should you be um, you know, homeless, basically? We need some kind of help as far as yeah, some kind of universal basic income. I think yeah, Andrew Yang was very forward thinking, seeing yeah. what was happening to our economy, how jobs are becoming more and more automated. It's not getting better. And this, this showed the problem now too, like with COVID, it's kind of accelerating the, the push for more automation yeah. so workers don't get sick. So it's going to yeah. accelerate the problem. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's so, and if someone's so completely against the idea of universal biggest basic income, you think it's communism or socialism or whatever word you want to throw on it. I mean, it goes back. It predates Andrew Yang. It has nothing to do with political parties. And if you think the money is so offensive, donate it to your favorite charitable cause. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. If you don't want it, there's many people that could benefit from it. Many groups and organizations. Yeah. So do that, you know, if you want to yeah. wash your hands from the free money. I mean, I'm, I'm like far from an economist and I'm not a, you know, somebody who has a lot of knowledge about, you know, finances and all, and all this stuff. But to me, just thinking about, you know, the way that jobs are being automated and people are going to be replaced because it's going to be cheaper to have, you know, robots or applications or whatever it is, AI, I mean, all this stuff to, to take away certain jobs and people are, there's going to be this obsolete class. I don't know if you know, you've all know Harari, if you've read Sapiens or any of no. those books. Check him out. He's really interesting. Um, yeah, Yuval Noah Harari is the author, and uh, he 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 talks about um, yeah a, lo- a lot of this stuff and just sort of the there's going to be this essentially, uh, for lack of a more I don't know polite term, but it's you know the, the useless class. You know, it's going to be basically an obsolete class of people that are currently doing jobs that in you know ten, twenty, thirty years not going to be uh not going to be a need for people to do those jobs or at least not in the same like numbers that we have today and so no it's not going to be that long it's gonna be five to ten years <laughs> oh for sure for, for yeah. sure i mean it's, it's right now it's, it's already, already happening yeah it's already happening but it's it's not going to stop happening right it's mm-hmm. gonna, no it's going to continue uh, you think yeah. amazon fulfillment centers will keep employing humans into the foreseeable future you think in tw- 10 years will be humans there i mean maybe just to fix the yeah. machines other than that not yeah. And, and by then, in 10 years, um, fully automated cars and trucks will be common. And you mm-hmm. think, you know, how all these people employed in um, delivering, mm-hmm. that's, that's going to be gone. Just, just, just for starters. Yeah. <laughs> and the transportation of goods are going to be automated trucks. They're already, Tesla's already uh, designing automated, like, uh, 18-wheel trucks. Yeah. It's, it's, the future is here. It's just not evenly distributed yet, yet. But you can already look at what technology exists right now and see just scaled out over the next decade to see where things are going. It's, it's not like, you know, Andrew Yang or anyone's just making stuff up. This stuff is here right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, Andrew. The only difference is people like him and people who are, you know, thinking like some people are stuck in the, some people are still fighting the change that's happened. Like people just are not even acknowledging what is mm-hmm. happening. Right. People yeah. like Andrew Yang are saying, this is what's happening. Like, this is not a theory. This is what's <laughs> happening. It's already happening. We need to look at it. And then there's all these other people who are saying, uh, let's try to maintain status quo and all that because it's, you know, society's slow to, slow to change. Right. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So um, if we could, uh, cause I know that we've, uh, we've got maybe, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes or so more to, to chat with you. I just, cause I, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about, you know, 
just creating because you're a YouTube creator, you are a content creator, you show up consistently. I mean, throughout the years, basically whenever I you know, want to check in with you guys and see what's up. We're here. You're, you're there. You're, you're posting the content, man. And that, that is, you know, that is, uh, I really got to give you guys props for that because you guys have consistency over the years and you're there for people. And I think you got a, you got a big fan base of people who really appreciate what you do. So yeah. how do you, how do you think about creativity, whether it's content creativity, um, you know, do you, what could you speak to your process? You know, what, what inspires you give it, give people a bit of, a bit of insight Ooh. to that. That's hard. I mean, um, I mean, um, I didn't really talk about all the various things I've done for my, throughout my life, but yeah, some people, longtime followers know I, I've been a musician for most of my, my life. I've put out over, um, 10 full length albums, you know, produced them all. Um, so I'm, I'm tr- and wrote the songs. Creativity is just a part of how I flow. It's just hard to turn that off. Um, in fact, it, it's kind of a, a, a problem if you're too creative. You have too many things you want to pursue. You have to like narrow it down. If you know, pick your pick your battles. Um, but yeah, as far as YouTube goes, I mean, as long as there's something happening that kind of inspires me and the things that inspire me to make a YouTube video could be weird. You know, I might just see some guy make a video. I'm no longer vegan anymore. I tried going vegan and it didn't work for me. I was fasting for 35 days and, uh-huh. and staring at the sun, but eating all that, all those plants, all those legumes and rice and beans and potatoes. That's why I'm so sick right now. And I can't oh, keep sure. food. Down. So I, when I see crap like that, that inspires me, you know, I'm getting a little angered like that. It's like, no, let's just go and look at the facts here. Again, that's what our videos are about. These ones where you see me talking into the camera like this, I'm just looking at the facts. Um, not trying to destroy people's reputations or lie or make crap up. I'm just all about truth. And that goes back to, I guess, when I studied philosophy in college, the study of, of, of truth and facts. So yeah, it inspires me. I see misinformation like that. Joe Rogan going on talking about how, um, you know, vegans are bad because, you know, um, plants have feelings and the combine harvesters kill all these animals. And so it's great. You know, might as well just go out and just kill even more animals through animal agriculture and hunting and all that stuff. Yeah, so, might as well, right? Yeah. Whenever you see just nonsense like that or other guys go on a show, talk about when, when you're vegan, you're pretty much always going to be deficient in all these vitamins and minerals. It's, and over time, you're going to become like dead, basically, you know, and so I, I just like to go and respond to this dumb misinformation. So, yeah, whenever I see stuff like that, it's, it's hard to hold me back. You know, to, I have to make a video. I'm compelled, you know, just, I'm just going to do it. <laughs> that's that's good that's good that you you're able to i mean you know harness that that energy you know and you have, yeah you, it sounds like you have a really sort of healthy relationship with creativity and that it's it's basically just i mean uh, it's just a part of you you know you're always creating as you said and yeah um and i guess uh you know it's it's something that like I, I don't know if you how you hold yourself accountable or what you know what what keeps you. I mean, for me, I, I find it really helps you know because we are advocating for you know a cause that's sort of bigger than our than ourselves. I mean, that's that's where I draw a lot of inspiration from. Is like you know even if I'm making a video video that's not about veganism, it's still I don't know. It's it's almost like you know it's just such a because I mean I would say for you, you like you really are focused on veganism and you know vegan advocacy and that. Like, would you say that that's a, uh, like, even before you were vegan, though, you were creative, right? So it's, yeah, not, yeah, absolutely. it's not, it's not like, it's not like you went vegan and you said, oh, how can I spread the vegan message? I'll start being creative. You were already creative. And then mm-hmm. as you became vegan, it just sort of worked. It's just a natural outflow of who I was already. That's why I said right. you should play to your strengths. You know, I was already, right. I was already on social media. I mean, my Twitter account, I think if you go back to it, it started in like 2007 or eight, you know, I wasn't uh, hardcore involved trying to get a big follower. I just showed that I've been so, on social media before that on sites that people may have never heard of like mp3.com, um, 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 MySpace, stuff like that. Just, you know, just, yeah. just what I've been doing. So I'm used to social media. I'm used to talking into microphones i'm a musician you know and video making so it's just a natural extension of who i am what i do to make youtube videos but a lot of people aren't familiar or comfortable with those sorts of um, ways of expressing themselves the technology is required so don't do that do something else <laughs> so in the spirit of creating videos um can we can we talk about tiktok is that something that you've dabbled in 
Oh, no, I, I, I see what TikTok videos are. And I really don't think I'm really all that good at like dancing and stuff like that. So it's not nah. all dancing. It's not, <laughs> dude, I'll, I'll tell you right now. I will tell you right now. TikTok, TikTok is whatever you want it to be. TikTok, yeah. is, TikTok is YouTube back in like 2000 and like whenever YouTube was like, it really is something to consider, man. I would, I would highly suggest getting a, cause I looked, I, I, I looked um, for happy, healthy vegan on TikTok before. And I didn't, I didn't see, I didn't see anybody with the username. So you might want to. Oh, shoot. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go get it right now. That <laughs> right now, because somebody's going to grab that soon because yeah. all this, everybody's moving on there. So no, you scare me. All right. <laughs> yeah. Get on there and, and, uh, and use it, man. I've like, literally I've got, I've amassed 150 or like just shy of 150,000 followers in like four and a half months. Wow. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, you know, just vegan videos. I was out in Thailand and I can speak a bit of Thai. So I made some oh. like, you know, videos in Thai and that kind of grabs some attention and stuff, but it's, but it's just organic reach, dude. It's really, I mean, you, you obviously have built, and I think you, you guys would have started YouTube in a time where you were riding that organic wave, I would say, would you say that? Uh, Is that fair yeah. to say? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And whereas now, I mean, for new YouTube creators or new, you know, anybody who's getting on social media, it's a lot harder to amass a following now because yeah. the, organic, the organic reach has gone down so much, but on TikTok, it's back again. And uh, right. so I'm loving it. And so that's a tip, a tip to you. If you're not on there already, get on there and we'll, uh, we can, we can do at some videos and do some TikTok challenges and we'll get you dancing anyways. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll tag you in a, uh, some kind of a vegan dance challenge or something. All right, cool. I've got some good ones in mind, actually. I'll send you, I'll send you some. Maybe you and Angie can make. Uh, All right, I'll look for Happy Healthy Vegan later on today and friend us or however it works yes. on there. <laughs> yes, we'll do, we'll do. And uh, I mean, obviously TikTok is not, uh, maybe not the most happening platform uh, to, for, to, to send people to if they want to you know, learn more about you guys. I know you guys have your website. Where, where should people go if they want to check out? Because you guys actually have a lot of great resources you put out you know you've done some ebooks and you know i, know, I think you got a new cookbook coming out right the keep it carbs ebook yeah, we, yeah we've had that yeah we've had those books out for a while and she's working nice. on her follow-up we'll hopefully um have some time during this whole lockdown to finish it up it's been yeah, it's just, it's we've been busy as ever yeah yeah, yeah but that but is it your just your website there happy happy healthy healthy vegan.org vegan. just google happy healthy vegan you'll find all our, our youtube instagram our website and our shop or you can get our ebook our physical book which we're almost out of right now and yeah nice. just just, That's good. just find us we're all over the internet <laughs> easy all right well ryan man it's been great great chatting with you man i hope maybe we can uh, do it again sometime yeah yeah that, that was just fun yeah man good. yeah thanks jason appreciate it awesome thanks we'll catch you guys next time on the vegan champion podcast hope you've enjoyed today's episode of the vegan champion podcast if you're getting something out of it why don't you do us a little favor? Do us a little favor. Tell somebody. Tell somebody about this podcast that you think might enjoy it, that you think might find value in the Vegan Champion podcast. That's all. If you could share, spread the word. That would mean the world to me. Hope you guys are enjoying the show. We'll see you on tomorrow's episode of the Vegan Champion podcast.